Hello everyone, and welcome to The Good Lawyer Show. This week, we bring you part two of our discussion with Andrew Brown. For those of you who missed last week, Andrew is an entrepreneur and was the co-founder of TickTix and is currently in charge of corporate development for Thin Air Labs, an Alberta-based investment firm. Our conversation this week covers the end of TickTix and the valuable lessons learned by Andrew as a first-time founder. We also discuss Andrew's involvement in Thin Air Labs and their goal to develop and foster a startup ecosystem within Alberta's entrepreneurial community. If you have not heard part one, we highly recommend you go back and listen to that first. Without further ado, we are happy to bring you part two of our conversation with Andrew Brown. I, and this is tough to do. I'm putting you on the spot, but like, what are your top two or three lessons that you learned from TikToks? Because obviously, man, again, and I said this before the show, like my heart is kind of breaking here in this because you hear it, it's such a great, it's such a great idea. You guys had momentum. You seemed like you were headed in the right direction. Ultimately, it didn't work out. Obviously, it's amazing that you still have the fire, which I think is really encouraging even for someone like myself to hear. Like that one didn't break you, but if you had to look <laughs> back and say, yeah, exactly. But if you had to look back and say, okay, like, Going forward, here are the top couple things that I can take away from that that could be a positive moving forward. What would they be? Yeah, I think it's a great question, right? Uh, it's it's tough because there's so many things that you would do differently. But I think like to generalize um, some of the learnings, it's, it's you know, this is inherently really risky. Right. It doesn't mean that you're inevitably going to fail. It means that if you um, don't approach it the right way, then then you have a higher chance of failure than if you do approach it in a, in a logical way. It's like, right. there's, there's kind of this formula with it, right? Which, which I've talked about a little bit already, but it's like raise what you need to get to the next stage and, and map out what your roadmap looks like and be really honest with yourself. Like how long is this going to take? How much money you're going to need to do it? What do you, what metrics do you need to see before it's worth taking that next step? I'm still um, trying to figure out how to do that. I got. I just got to interject there because you know, I it, this is one of those things where it sounds so nice when you say it out loud, but I'm in the midst of it, and yeah. I think you know we're doing a pretty good job right now, and I could not answer a lot of those questions. Like, yeah, it's it's I, a. I think it's I've a bit. Tried. Of a, it's a bit of a perspective, <laughs> right? Like once you're out of it, then it's really clear. Once you're when you're in it, it's right. like complicated, and like you're you're in the weeds, right? So it's really hard to see so i think that the other lesson that comes out of that is like allowing yourself enough um space mental space to be able to see those things and that might mean taking like taking a week vacation might be the best thing you can do for your business if you're just so stressed out about it that you can't see above the weeds right if you remove yourself from the situation a bit and you kind of observe it from a different perspective then it becomes a little bit more clear and I think that that was a lesson that took me too long to learn to to really save the first the first startup. But I think the other lesson there is it's you know we talked about it a bit. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? So right. don't burn yourself up too early. Try to set kind of like periods of time and timelines for yourself to say once we get to this point, we have to be at least have validated this or, you know, what's, what's kind of the minimum criteria you need to set for yourself to allow yourself to take the next step, especially when you're talking about other people's money. Right. So you really have to kind of hold yourself accountable to like, you know, this is this tension and, and balance between like perseverance as an entrepreneur and like, 
being realistic with yourself. Delusion, yeah. Right. Yeah, like being, you know, delusion doesn't doesn't help you at all. But being you need a tenacious, little bit, don't you? What's <laughs> yeah, that? okay, tenacious. I'm like, you need a little bit, don't you? Because like, yeah, you do. You do. This makes sense. Like when yes. you actually break them down, they're so damn risky that any rational person would say, "I'm not going to do this." That's the rational answer. But but people do anyway, and they push through that, and obviously, great things are built as a result. Yeah. And I mean, you'll, you'll probably come across, like come across a situation where you're like, okay, let's, the first thing is like break this down into manageable chunks, right? So this is the rocket ship we want to build. What do we have to do to get there? And then let's break that down into like three month or six month intervals so that we can actually validate that. That doesn't mean that you get to the end of the interval (laughs) and it didn't work and you don't just keep going because you're you're passionate about it. But what it does mean is is it kind of like forces you to set goals for yourself and expectations and then basically force you to analyze why you you know why you did or didn't hit those goals like what was the barrier that prevented you from doing that and oftentimes it's like especially with first time first time founders the barrier is not what they think it is right like sometimes it's as easy as like making a call to someone that's going to take you five minutes but you're scared to do it or like you can easily procrastinate it or whatever. And so you spend your time doing things that are like vanity metric. I'll fix up our website. I'll fix up our logo. I'll communicate with some customers online or whatever. That's not Brad's problem. He calls everybody. He doesn't text, <laughs> he calls. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's good, right? Like there's, yeah. there's like things in your business that are trajectory changers, not just like incremental improvements, but like things right. that will actually change the trajectory of your business. And those are often the hardest things to do Right. And so a lot of times if you kind of like, what did I do over the last three months? Um, and how did we end up here? And it's like, well, you know, we did all of this. I felt really busy and I'm burnt out and I feel like I've worked crazy hours, but I never really moved the needle. And so I think this is a general lesson. You know, ask yourself, what's the one thing I can do tomorrow to move the business forward in a meaningful way and hopefully change the trajectory of it? And that could be like a really simple thing to do, but afford yourself the ability to do that and be okay with that accomplishment for that day. Don't force yourself back into a situation where you're just like doing busy work because you feel like you have to be busy. You know, time is so precious if you, especially if you're not doing the things that are actually going to move the business forward. Totally. No, I love that. Um, So this is, this is funny to say because you're, you're a young guy, but we're going to have to fast forward a little bit to your career here. I got, I got grays. Oh, do you? Okay. That must be from your work at the startup then. It's, yeah. uh, we still um, have to talk about thin air lab. That's so I got, a, I got so, a great, I got a great segue for you guys. Please. So we, you know, we did this marketplace product for like three or four years. Um, we knew that we wanted to build some technology to kind of take the next, like the marketplace wasn't what we wanted to do. And so hail we, Mary. Um, yeah. It was a bit of a hail Mary. <laughs> Although at the time it was kind of like, you know, we were, we were nudged in that direction by some early investors and the, the promise of what blockchain tech can do, and I'm still a believer in this, you know, is a game changer for a lot of uh, established industries, right? Because it, it creates this um, trust that doesn't need an intermediary to manage. So anyways, along the way, we were kind of like, okay, we want to build a smart ticketing platform, basically a, a ticketing platform that's going to issue tickets that are smart tickets. We're going to be able to control the distribution of them. We're going to be able to track who they go to, who actually comes to the event. We're going to be able to kick back uh, value generated on secondary transactions to the artists. And, uh, and it's a great idea. And so we went through or we applied for the Creative Destruction Lab program, the first uh, program that uh, they ran here in Calgary. And we got accepted. And the lesson there is like have champions in the room. We already had three or four investors that were involved in that program that were believers in us. And so they really pulled us through 
and got us through that program. I, I firmly believe that. And, uh, you know, we were kind of looking around, there's all these like crazy uh, quantum computing applications and all sorts of crazy um, uh, IP coming out of the universities that were being funded. We kind of felt a little bit out of place, but at the same time, we had people that believed in what we were doing, but also saw like the market opportunity. If mm -hmm. we did solve this problem, it's a huge opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we went through that program, great program, lots of good things to say. It wasn't necessarily like a pleasant program to go through. Like it's a really high stress environment in some ways. Um, you're absolutely accountable to what you say you're going to do and you're under pressure because you're, you know, your investors and the people that they are pitching your business to are watching, right? They're, they're mm -hmm. like, they said they were going to do this. They came back three months later, they did it or they didn't. Right. And um, so, you know, in terms of the program itself, uh, the people that are involved in it is enough reason, but then the format and the way that they actually do it is, is hard for entrepreneurs, but in, in a way that makes sense. Like I understand that and what they're really trying to do is accelerate you to a point that you can actually grow and scale. Mm -hmm. And so through that program, we raised another tranche of funding. We built out this smart ticketing application. We talked to a million customers. We were basically fishing for any kind of pilot program that we could launch the tech to and prove how it could work and the mm -hmm. value that it could deliver. And, uh, and we got a lot of no's. Um, we got a few like maybes. Uh, you know, we had some interesting conversations with some of the big guys. Um, but ultimately we just couldn't figure out how this was going to integrate with their, with their platforms and you know, how it was going to be able to deliver that type of value to them if we weren't like the independent ticket distributor. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. so it was like this, this whole roller coaster of like trying to do these things. We're getting lots of support along the way and people were like, yeah, that's cool. Here's who you should go talk to. We talked to them. It didn't work out. And, and, you know, I, I think through the process, we brought on some really awesome investors that that were super supportive along the way in, in so many ways that knew what we were going through, that knew that we were going to run out of money in nine months. But ultimately when it came to the end of that, that funding, we had kind of lost vision and, and confidence in our ability to, to kind of take that next step that we needed to take. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like at the same time, cryptocurrency hit, it's like, yeah, you know, big, yeah, big I boom, right? Some right at the peak. <laughs> 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 yeah, we, we, I mean, we watched all of this happen, right? And at the same time, people were like doing coin offerings, they were issuing their own cryptocurrencies. You know, the, the people that were super passionate about cryptocurrencies were, were passionate about it because it was like decentralizing this whole process, right? Basically like cutting down Ticketmaster at, at their knees. And the problem with that was that it wasn't Ticketmaster that was the problem, it was the contracts that the, that the promoters had with the venues. Ultimately, like the industry itself still hasn't seen significant change. In fact, Ticketmaster has probably gained more market share and is now like owning the secondary market and, and pushing guys like StubHub out of it. And, uh, and so it's just like, you know, we looked at that and we were just like, look, like if we don't land like a 20,000 person venue and if we don't raise the money we need to build what we know, now know we need to build, which is like a huge undertaking, we're just not going to be able to compete. And, you know, along at the same time, there is like a lot of other ticketing uh, platforms, smart ticket platforms popping up that were doing like coin offerings. They were raising tens of millions of dollars. There was a company in um, the States out of California founded by the ex-CEO of Ticketmaster called Rival, I believe, that raised 30 million US and had a signed deal with the uh, Denver uh, Entertainment Group. And so like that was the caliber that we were playing at and we were basically right. underarmed, right? We just mm -hmm. didn't have the... Capacity. And we went back to our investors and said, we think we're going to need to raise this much money to do that. And they're like, 
<laughs> Ooh, you're, you're not close enough to your target market. Like go to California yeah. if that's what you want to do. Right. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, totally. and, and that was fair, but also we had, you know, burnt out. We got to the point where we just couldn't make it work. We got hit by a bunch of credit card fraud, fraud on our marketing platform all at the same time. Um, our investors lost confidence in, in what we were doing. I, I didn't have the narrative. I didn't have the story anymore. Yeah. And so, um, we basically went to them and said like, this is a situation they, we had communicated that all throughout the process. So we went from like this, this like high of going through CDL and everyone loving what we were doing and like gaining some, what we thought was reasonable traction, a couple deals that were kind of on the table and uh, never really came through to this like crazy low by the time we realized we were going to run out of money in the next month or two. Um, going back to investors, like basically begging for money and they're like, you know, we would rather you, like wind this thing up. Like you, you seem to lose confidence. I, I don't know where you're trying to go. I don't think you know where you're trying to go. Like, do you think that too? And I was like, yeah, like that's how I feel. And they said, look, it's not a, it's not a X on your account. If you come back and ask for more money for something new. So like take the time, um, wind this thing down properly, do it the right way and, you know, come back with your next idea. And you know, some of the best advice I ever got was during that process, which was like, you know, there's only certain times in life that you can afford yourself to fully reset. Um, you know, take the time you need to do that. It's like a bad breakup, right? Mm -hmm. Take the time to recover. Don't force yourself into a situation where you're just like working yourself to forget about it. Um, like really take the time to recover and figure out what you want to do next. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what that is. And so it was like this, this other boost of confidence, but it was also this like, affordance of being able to take the time to really figure out what it was that I wanted to do. Totally. And so having that type of advice from the, the caliber of, of investors we were working with was game changing and allowed me to really think about that, um, come back when the time is right with the next idea. And so every time I bump into the networking events, they're like, what are you working on? What are you working on? Like now that you've learned all that stuff, you don't have to spend our money doing that again. We right. know that you're going to be much better positioned to take on your next venture with confidence and, and you're going to not, do all these stupid things that you did the first time and uh and you're going to make this dollar go further than, than the last time and that that brought us to kind of the end of the the tick journey it took us a long time to like officially wind it down um because there was this like this guilt that comes with it right where you you, you raise money from friends and family you had to tell them all what was going on you felt like a, a wet dog like Matt, it was, I will like, feel zero guilt for the record. I will feel zero guilt. Oh, you'll for feel a lot of money. guilt, buddy. I no, I, I'm be... giving it 110, baby. I'm, <laughs> zero guilt. I'm giving it my all. You know, we you didn't, we are. didn't take like even, even like we did the same thing. Even though we communicated with everyone we raised money from, like this is super risky. We're not sure how this is going to work out. It's either boom or bust. Um, you know, there's still this, and it's not even like you feel guilty. You just feel like you need to prove more to yourself, sure. right? Like I, we can do this. I can, I can do this. Totally. I can build another company. It's going to be huge. Like I know that I can, and now I just got to set out and prove it, prove it more to myself than anyone else. It's one of those things that like, it's such a big part of your identity. Oh yeah. Um, when you're going through this, that you're like, I feel like I can't let it go because it's who I am. And then all of a sudden, like you go talk to friends that you haven't seen in a long time that they, they don't, they don't care like that you're just you like yeah. I, you know we just want you to be a friend and be a human and uh, all of a sudden you realize that like this is part of the journey and um and, and we took a while to figure that out but we you know embraced that and uh and a couple of co-founders went off to do other things and um i kind of took some time to reflect uh and then reached out to uh to the the partners at uh, thin era at the time and said hey and, and you know they, they were guys that i met 
uh, through that process. Uh, James sorry, Walker, just, is just for listeners, uh, Thin Air is a VC uh, venture capital fund. Yeah, so one of one of the context, coolest, yeah. as far as yeah. I'm aware, coolest VCs in Calgary with some very big plans. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, That's sorry not, about that. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no problem. So, um, a bit of a a venture capital take with a twist, right? So we have a, a capital fund that we're raising right now in the early stages of, we have a design um, arm that works directly with the uh, investments that we're making um, to support the entrepreneurs as they kind of go through the early stages of their business. And then we have a, a commitment to ecosystem and community development in sectors that we're interested in investing in. And, you know, we kind of are communicating this as like, instead of raising a big fund, um, picking a sector that we're interested in and picking like the best 10 companies we can find in a geographical region like North America, we replace that picking winner strategy with building ecosystem to support lots of early stage activity and then investing in the ones that, that make it to those next stages, but helping all of them get as far along as possible and, and learn as they go to do that. So that's, that's a thin air pitch. Um, that kind of came together because so I reached out to James and uh, James recently sold or he was still involved, but uh, was one of the co-founders of Wave Financial. James Lockery, right? James Lockery. Yeah. And he said, um, you know, that's a crazy story. I, I loved what you guys were doing. Didn't really like your business, but liked you a lot. <laughs> uh, and then basically said, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to work on some things that are starting to materialize. Um, not sure exactly where this is going right now, but like come hang out and, and see, see what, if it's interesting to you and how you can help. Did we announce how much Wave sold for? Did we say that just so that the viewers understand it's, the magnitude of the company James built in Calgary? Yeah, it's, it's publicly available. So the company Wave was uh, uh, actually a Toronto-based company, but James lived in Calgary and, and has roots here. And James but was the CEO, correct me if I'm wrong. He was a CTO and, and more founder, like involved earlier on in, in the development of the company. And then- Got it. Um, sold for I think five hundred and thirty-five million Canadian. Yeah, um, in a transaction. I, I just wanted I just wanted to make it clear for any listeners that he founded yeah. an absolute monster of a company, and you know he was based out of Calgary. So yeah, and, and I, was, I look at James as a huge inspiration. Oh, absolutely right. And so like the opportunity to work with with someone like James and and um, we're basically like we're we're at a crossroads in Alberta. We need to connect some of the dots, we need to connect some of the ingredients that are here already yep. in a meaningful way to create the type of ecosystem that, you know, that Toronto had already developed for themselves. Right. And we're 10 and, and basically the, the punchline was we're 20 years late to this party. Right. We need to move fast. And so, you know, I, I looked at that and just said like, this is the, ex the exact, th like, I love the yeah. scope of what we're talking about. I love the magnitude. I love the impact that we're trying to have in, in Calgary and Alberta. And so I just jumped in and I said, I'm, I'm happy to help out and did a bunch of uh, kind of support work for them. Um, and then as things started to really come together around this, this investment thesis of like ecosystem first, support entrepreneurs every step of the way, um, strategic investment at the right time to help them accelerate, um, really started to materialize. And then that turned into what, what we're kind of at now, which is um, in the early stages of raising a, a significant fund that we want to use to invest in Alberta-based companies to attract other companies to come to Alberta and, and Calgary and build their company here. And we're doing that through like, you know, even a couple months ago seemed like a, a really complicated business model that has really honed in on mm. what it actually is, which is like an incubator by ecosystem and community. So I give, you know, I, I got to yeah. interject again, but no, I, I was watching a collision, uh, one, one of the webinars today, cause we were involved with collision, like from home. And I can't remember the guy's name, but he had a really nice way of putting it. And he was distinguishing 
he, he was basically suggesting that he was not an investor. He was a company builder. Yeah. And, you know, to me, that is what thin air is all about. It's about company building. And with that comes some capital, yeah. but it's not just like this, you know, here's some cash, you know, we're going to be back in a year and see how you're doing. Yeah. Like it's really about company building. And that's where, you know, guys like you and, and James and all, you know, this experience can come in and really make this huge impact in a way that simply, you know, providing the check as useful yeah. as that is, doesn't, doesn't do. And so, um, what we didn't really realize until a little bit later on was like, this is a bit of a flip on the venture capital model, which is really about picking winners, right? Like trying to get into the best deals with the sectors that you understand the best in a, in a broad geographical area. Right. But in the meantime, you've kind of had this, uh, this huge um, kind of gravitational force towards Silicon Valley and, and a concentration of venture capital there and activity there. And it's become so expensive to build a company there that it's like, now there's like a redistribution of some of those companies where venture capitalists are like, well, we, we can, we should invest in companies anywhere, but only if there's like an ecosystem that can support those companies as they grow that we don't have to basically right. be there to do, or we don't have to ask them to relocate here to do it. Um, and so, what that really means is like, if you create, if you first invest in the infrastructure, in the ecosystem that companies like this need to, to build and, and build highly scalable companies in, um, and you allow some of that stuff to materialize and just like create a bunch of early stage activity around some of those sectors, um, then you get a bunch of gems that start coming out, right? Like a bunch of companies that um, get it faster, they accelerate their development, they learn faster, and all of a sudden they're they're at later stages faster than you would have been if you were kind of doing this in your garage without any kind of community connections, right? How do you build that ecosystem as Thin Air Labs? Yeah, well, you bring community and ecosystem builders to the table and, and, you, and you think about it from a design perspective. It's like, what's missing here? What, need, what do we need to go out and source and bring here that needs to be here to support these types of companies? You have a lot of entrepreneurs that are super passionate, like that's not the problem that they have. But what they're missing is this global connectedness where they might be working on this, like, let's say, um, AI ML application, right? It's like, you need to set yourself and benchmark yourself against like what's happening and best in class in the world, not here, right? right? You, you have to think globally right away and you have to understand like the, the level that some of those um, companies and applications are at um, in the, the places that are world leading in those areas. Right. And so like, give them access, expose them to those people earlier and they'll learn faster, right? Like there's nothing like getting your punched in the face by a VC from Silicon Valley when you're way too early to be pitching to them. But I would also say, sorry, just quickly, no, no, that Google. there's yeah. got to be some onus, you know, and I've, I've done a little bit of this, not nearly enough, but there, there should be some onus on the entrepreneur. You know, you got LinkedIn. Go yeah. find the people the that onus have is still, done it before. The onus is still there. Totally. It's the knowledge, right? It's like yeah. the, it's this, it's everything that we talked to up until this point where it's like as an early stage, first time entrepreneur, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. So you will go and just do because that's what you have to do. Right. And you'll keep yourself busy with things that might be meaningless, but you just don't know that they're meaningless. But as soon as you expose them to like, um, what's happening around the world, all of a sudden it's like a level setter. It's like, we're competing here and we need to be here. And we need to be talking to this caliber of people. And that's what this caliber of person looks like. Right. And now I can actually go out and, and find them. And mm -hmm. sometimes they just need a little bit of a nudge. Sometimes they need to yeah. be. You just need examples. To it. You people need are examples. so good with examples. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and, and part of this is like, that's the whole idea of a regenerative ecosystem, right? It's like when you have entrepreneurs that have been there, done that, then they are embedded in the ecosystem and they help support other entrepreneurs. And all of a sudden that level set is here, right? But right now we're not quite there yet. So what kind of companies or have you guys defined what type of companies that you want to invest in yet? Or is that kind of an open-ended question that you will consider on a case by case basis? Yeah, not completely open-ended, although adaptive. Um, So right now we're primarily focused on life sciences and and health tech for a lot of reasons. Mostly we think we have a lot of the ingredients here to to compete globally in that sector. We're just missing a little bit of coordination around them. Um, We're interested in video game development, the same kind of thing. Uh, A lot of that activity and success in Alberta has happened up in Edmonton. Um, there's no reason it shouldn't happen in Calgary besides a little bit of coordination and some design thinking around how do you create the ecosystem for those, those types of companies to, to grow in legal services, um, potentially legal <laughs> services. Well, we have a, a small, a number of the investments that James made prior to thin air that were, were kind of looping into the portfolio, our enterprise software applications and, and things that kind of relate to solving these like big, um, stagnant industries, right. right. That, that are just looking for innovation, but don't, don't know it, right. um, or are filled with incumbents that don't want it. Um, so definitely interested in that kind of stuff. Uh, how do you generalize that? I think it's more like, you know, consumer and enterprise software applications. That's, that's James's it's reducing. Uh, re- it's about reducing redundancies. Yeah. It's about reducing redundancies. Like if you look at wave and what wave did, it basically mm-hmm. just like empowered a bunch of like yeah. small business owners. Right. And that, that was the whole concept was like, you don't need to have PWCs and, and KPMGs do your audits and, and do your bookkeeping and stuff like that. Even though like they'll sell you on the network they can bring and all these great things that they can do for you. It's like, now if you actually make this type of um, service more accessible through technology, you open up a whole huge part of the market that didn't exist before. And we've talked about this a lot, Brett. Like I think the most interesting thing about what you guys are doing is, is in like this one line of the pitch, I think you gave like three months ago, which was like 86% of people or whatever don't access legal services because they don't think they're accessible for them. 77% of legal needs go unmet. Right. So and that basically solo lawyers have 80% additional So when I capacity. think when I think about that statement, I think about that means the 77 there's there's 70% of 77% of the market is completely untapped right now. Mm-hmm. Is is accessible if you can make it accessible for them through technology mm-hmm. or or another like an innovative business model, right? Um, that's what's so attractive about these kind of things, right? Like it's, it's the idea about like the uncertainty of a market that may or may not exist that you can kind of build towards. Well, and that's the exciting thing about where we're at today, you know, is, is that we've, you know, serviced hundreds and hundreds of customers across Canada and the not, not just like the numbers, but like the response and the feedback that we're getting. And it's like, okay, yes, this hypothesis that there was all this unmet legal need people are willing to pay for this if it's provided in a more accessible, affordable way. Yeah. And then, and then your job as an entrepreneur is to figure out what product you need to build to serve them to make it sustainable at the right price point. Right. And so that's like the art of it. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, okay, we know that's true, but we can't serve everyone individually. We have to create some kind of product that can serve lots of them all at the same time. Um, and it needs to, you know, that talk about scale is, is, the next kind of step that's that's the next next risk factor that you have to kind of well, think about in terms of like what product do we need to build that can serve thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of customers but my question wasn't because i'm you know recognize that i'm naive and i'm a first-time founder and you know 
as many how I built this podcast as I've listened to. I don't know what I'm doing. So, you know, for me, it was who, who can I bring onto the team that knows what they're doing and like knows how to escalate us to that, to that next level. And, you know, the last two major additions to the team, like key fundamental additions were both growth guys, one from jobber first employee at jobber. And then one who, you know, cut his teeth at Uber in Uber down in Australia. And like, these guys are teaching me stuff every single day. Totally. And I mean, that's what I'm talking about when I mean like leveling up, right? So not just Mm -hmm. like industry connections and capital connections, but like talent connections. Totally. Like who can you bring here to work with these stages of entrepreneurs to develop them faster, right? In, In a way that is somewhat alien for a lot of entrepreneurs here that are just cutting their teeth into their first startup, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that that's really what our focus is um, from an ecosystem development perspective for thin air is like, let's create sector hubs that are specific to the sectors that we think we have a right to win at here. And let's bring the pieces together in a, in a well-designed way to support as many ventures as we can at the earlier stages and create a sustainable business model um, from a venture capital uh, firm perspective uh, to continue supporting that and reinvest right. back into other sectors that we think are emerging. Um, so right now, health sciences, interactive media and video game development, education technologies, we're interested That's in as well. Right there, yeah. But we think, uh, yeah, I mean, like just amplified through the whole uh, the yeah, pandemic, right? Exactly. And and so all of a sudden, like all of this, there's huge exposure into like, um, you know, the gaps that exist in some of these areas yeah. that uh, are completely underserved and stagnant. And we think we have the right to to win here. You know, from an economic development standpoint, right, we're talking about like global leaders in some of the earlier stages of technologies for oil sands development, right? Like we, we're innovative. So right. why, are we, why are we struggling with this? And I think part of it is like this kind of silo that's created with like, no, no, that's the energy sector. It's not the innovation sector. Right. Yeah. It's like, and it's like combative. And when it shouldn't be, it should be supportive instead of combative. And yeah, I think it's because, you know, the innovation, like it is a dichotomy. And I know from the innovation side that a lot of folks are frustrated because, you know, I saw like a tweet the other day and I don't go on Twitter very often (laughs) that it was like Google search Kenny and cement and like there was no results. And it's like, why is there no results for that? Like Mm -hmm. cement is, and you know, Hanif and the gang is like absolutely killing it. This huge like success story coming right out of Calgary and you know, you'd think that the premier would be backing that a little bit. And, you know, I wanted to say that guys like James Lockery, you know, killing it with a company like wave and then choosing to reinvest into Calgary. Like we should at the government level be supporting that so aggressively. And, you know, I really hope they get their head out of their asses and, you know, (laughs) do a little more. Well, I I think some of it is, is just understanding, you know, not their, you know, you don't want to serve the intellect, you want to serve the interest, right? So what are the interests of, of government? It's we want to create a sustainable, long term economy that creates mm-hmm. jobs. And we've done that really well in specific sectors here for a long time. We've always struggled with this boom bust, right? But but we've done it a certain way and we know that way and we're comfortable with it. And so I think part of what we're trying to do is show examples of other ways this can be done in in ways that we know how to do which is like build highly highly scalable companies that take right. five to ten years to build to a certain point and create exits and create a regenerative ecosystem around similar ideas 
and diversification and, should should not be a dirty word to anybody. Yeah, like it exactly. shouldn't be pitted against oil yeah, and gas. I think, I think there's a language problem, right? Like I think it's a narrative yeah. thing, and I, I think yeah. that that's a solvable problem. But I think the easiest way to solve that is is showing examples of how this could work, right? I I also think that that's why it needs to be private led, right? Like it needs to come from a, a yeah. industry side. It can't 100%, come from hundred percent. I don't right. think the government can do it. I think you're right. They no, yeah, but, 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 but the government, but the government removing something like the AITC, like are you like are you kidding? Like you get rid of the Alberta Investor Tax Credit, which yeah. is what like Good Lawyer was completely funded on. Yeah, and you look in BC, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, and I believe Ontario, but I won't comment because I can't remember. But certainly, all of the Western provinces have the same or larger tax credits than to what we used to have, and like yeah, that just to- puts. We have the to be competitive, company. right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And and I, th- I think the other thing to think about is like, we have to be competitive globally. We can't just like compete for entrepreneurs in Canada. We have to compete for entrepreneurs and innovators from all over the world. When you, when you think about it from that perspective, it's like a tax credit is not going to make or break this <laughs> ecosystem, but it's certainly easier to attract entrepreneurs when, when you have beginning. those types of things. It helps you develop locally. But, like, but good lawyer not, might not be here, but for the tax credit. So, so I think the best way we can kind of, as, as an ecosystem and as entrepreneurs, we can, we, we can um, kind of progress this is, is by setting examples of how this can do, right? Like basically going out and saying, we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to try to execute against our investment thesis at thin air. And we're going to show that by investing in the ecosystem and by supporting entrepreneurs in this way as they grow and by injecting strategic capital into them um, at stages that are actually... Uh, going to fuel faster growth, we can show them success stories and the types of companies that we can actually create um, around that, that investment thesis. And they'll support at, at a future date. Like we don't need that support to get there, right? I think that it's, it's like we need to show, we also need to show and be better at communicating the, the actual quantified economic impact of these types of investments. I think that that's a, um, as an ecosystem we've struggled with um, for, for a long time is like really quantifying like what would, you know, where are we now? Where are comparative ecosystems around the world, you know, in terms of, and how do we measure that? So in terms of like number of companies within this stage of, of startup development, and what would it look like if we had a thousand startups instead of the 250 or so in, in Calgary that we have, right? What would that actually equate to in terms of um, language that other stakeholders can understand like GDP contribution and job creation and job things like that. Creation, we have not done a very creation, good job. Yeah. yeah, we have not done a very good job of explaining and articulating what that looks like, right? And there's lots of really uh, smart and invested people in the ecosystem now that are that understand that and are trying to break down that barrier by you know visualizing it, right? So I don't know if you've you've seen it, but Brad Zomwalt, um and David Evans with the A100 have created this kind of visual representation of the number of startups we think we can get to in the next 10 years versus the number that we have right now, right? Really nice visual representation of- Oh, we're on there, buddy. We're on there. The difference, you guys are on there. And if we were to fill up all these buckets, what would that actually equate to in terms of economic development, right? And I think that that's a really important piece that we were missing for a long time that now we have, you know, people that are are invested in knocking that barrier down and changing the narrative around what we're talking about. Because I, I firmly believe that we- we all want the same thing. We want a sustainable, a prosperous, long-term, society. prosperous um, economy where people can find job opportunities and, and make a good living and b- build a good life for themselves here. We yeah. think about getting there in different ways, but just like entrepreneurship, there's no right or wrong, right? Yeah. And, uh, 
and, and so, you know, that's my belief on that. I, I think that it's a solvable problem. Um, I think as a, as an entrepreneur, I think the yeah. best way to solve it is just to show, show the way. So, so Andrew, as we're approaching our second hour here, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Tim Ferriss here. It's, uh, and, and Brett knows firsthand that I can't sit still for more than like 30 minutes at a time. But before we go, and this is becoming fast becoming one of my favorite parts of the show, but uh, any recommended resources, any books, any podcasts, any things along the way that have helped you on your journey that you think could help uh, others on theirs? Oh, man a few different buckets, right? The first one is like inspiration, right? So I think that reading, I read a lot of uh, memoirs. I read a lot of autobiographies and biographies of people that have, have done it. Right. And some of my favorite books are, are just stories about other people's entrepreneurial journeys. Like right? which ones? Um, I was a big fan of uh, shoe dog, which is Phil Knight's story um, about Nike. Um, I'm a bit of a, uh, economics kind of closet economics buff. I, I like to read kind of like progressive economic theories and, and things like that. Um, a couple of my favorites right now, uh, the value of everything and uh, donut economics. I would recommend people read those just to really try to understand kind of where our thinking is with thin air okay. around those types of things um, and ecosystem development and, and how to measure success uh, besides just GDP. And, uh, so th those are good. I, I think from a tactical, how do I do this perspective, um, Ash Maura and his lean, uh, scaling lean and, and, uh, I can't remember the name of the book. I'm going to, I'm going to bomb it. Uh, but his, his whole series on lean startup methodology okay. is, is solid. It'll give you a playbook that you can follow to build your, your startup and uh, give you some really tactical things. And then one, just in terms of like, once you get to the next stage of growth traction, Oh man, I'm going to butcher all of these authors. But Andrew, right now, you giving, you're giving founder of TickTicks, Andrew, at the very beginning, one book. What is it? Yeah, well, I, yeah. Think, I think Scaling Lean is probably my go-to. Really? Scaling Lean. I haven't yeah. even read that. And, and it's Gabriel Weinberg. Yeah, that's right. And he was one of the founders of uh, DuckDuckGo. For, tra for traction. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, I like him. That. I like yeah. him. I, I think we're about, about right for yeah. some major disruption from a, from a technology perspective um, over the next 10 years. I'm yeah. pretty, pretty confident that we're going to see, um, you know, basically the development of new applications on emerging technologies that uh, are going to change the game. Right. Um, just like Google and, and Facebook and these social networks before it was impossible to, to really understand what that was going to look like. Right. Um, I think we're kind of at that same stage of, of just pre um, some of those companies, but I, I'm, I'm excited about that. Like yeah, I, me too. I think that there's, there's a whole kind of next generation of, of technology that's coming out. That's just going to change the game. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, I think putting yourself in the right position as an entrepreneur to take advantage of that is, is the key. And so that's stay curious, um, you know, tinker lots, work with people that, uh, that are, are great support for you. Um, compliment challenge you, you. All that stuff, challenge you. Uh, embrace the journey. That's that's the number one thing. Actually, last question here. Do you, do you have a Twitter or anything like that? Can anyone yeah, find, yeah find you, you can find me at a brown, A-B-R-O-W-N-E-2789. Uh, look me up on LinkedIn. Always happy to connect with, uh, with cool entrepreneurs working on cool ideas. Awesome. Well, uh, th get this a was, better email, this Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, I, I think I think our listeners. I know I got a lot out of that. That was just great to to hear your story, uh, hear the lessons learned, and uh, you know I have no doubt that you're going to have some pretty successful ventures in your future. Knock, knocking on wood. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank yeah. you once again, Andrew for, Brown. Absolute yeah. pleasure, my friend. Absolute pleasure, and we'll have to grab a beer here one of these days soon. 
Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks again to Andrew for being on the show. If you like what you heard today, please rate, download, and subscribe. Until next time, we hope you all have a great week.